0: CHAPTER Twenty, YEAR 873. P.X.F. LATE SUMMER Living in proximity to a heartbroken Uldani was to suffer through it to some degree yourself. It was not that Osman was invasive with his feelings. It was more that seeing a person of such vibrant personality as Osman, so subdued and grey, set a pall on everything around him where they had always brought light before. Osman threw himself into training for distraction from the pain he was feeling, and Talon had to be equally as dedicated to keep up with the intense focus Osman was putting into it. The other four guards of the Duke's regiment seemed to find themselves similarly driven, the entire squad not just excelling in their skills, but far exceeding their previous level. Duke Issul lurked like a vulture over their training grounds with sunken eyes, not only taking note but seeming to be intent on their progress with an ever more watchful intensity. Before summer's end, the duke bid Talon to expand his focus to all guards in the keep and the city's Arnador watch. To fulfill such a monumental request, Talon made Osman his second-in-command to lead the training of the watch. By happenstance, becoming peers and wrestling with similar issues with their subordinates, but not being so fully entangled in each other's lives, did much to bring the two back closer together. Over time, their relationship healed, as time heals all things, and while the bonds of their brotherhood had not been broken, they had undoubtedly been strained. Talon suspected it was not just from the words that had passed solely between the two of them. TWENTY YEARS EARLIER, 853 PXF, LATE AUTUMN It had been three days since Talon dared approach the smithy. After their lecture and punishment from Mikal over the coded letter, everything had seemed fine between Riken and him. They had even snuck back to Milgrin's orchard on the next hearth's rest with the quarter barrel from the smithy's storage shed and filled it with late-season apples for their cider. He and Rikin had laughed and joked their way back to the estate. Both had even gotten sour stomachs from all the apples they ate along the way. But then, a few days later, everything changed. Talon had come down to the smithy after a particularly long and tedious lesson from his tutors to wait for Rikin. Mikal had sent him on some of his regular errands to Arnador, but, due to his studies, Talon had been unable to join him. Talon was surprised that as the afternoon faded and the gloaming of twilight approached, there was still no sign of Riken. It was unlike him to return so late. Even when they were together and lost track of time, they always made it back to the estate before darkness fell, if only barely. Finally, an hour after sunset, wobbling in the saddle and with only the barest hint of color left in the sky, Riken passed through the gate of the Corvermain estate. Talon jumped off the crates in front of the smithy and ran to Riken, thinking he might be injured, but the stench of hard alcohol and smoke immediately let him know what was wrong with him. Talon began to laugh and help Riken off his horse, but as soon as Riken was on his feet, he shoved Talon back, knocking him to the ground. Get away from me, he slurred. Talon, hurt and confused, responded from the ground. Riken, what is it? What's wrong? Riken, swaying over Talon, spat back. You are just a rich kid slumming with the staff of his oh-so-noble parents. He continued his diatribe. I have almost lost my livelihood because of you twice. Riken held up two fingers. You know they talk about you, right? They say something evil lurks within you. That bad things happen around you. Rikin paused, turning his head away, seeming suddenly more clear of thought. You think I haven't seen it? The way your eyes unfocus and then propose one of your pranks or some hurtful idea comes flowing out of your mouth? He now barely whispered, almost like he was repeating something he had heard. Regular folks like me can't afford the trouble you bring with you, so just stay away. Rikin Swaying side to side, walked to the smithy, leaving Talon sitting in the dust of the courtyard. Talon was too shocked to cry. He couldn't, because everything Riken had said was true, except for the part about him slumming with the staff. But the rest, the bad things he had caused to happen, and the ones that seemed to follow him without his help, they were true. His anger now rising, Talon stood up and marched up the front steps of the estate, not even taking his usual path through the kitchens. His fury increased with every step. Through the front door and across the threshold, he crossed the foyer atrium, continuing up the stairs past his father's study, not even bothering to lighten his steps as he climbed the last flight of stairs to his room. He closed the door with controlled precision, belying his internal rage, and screamed into his mind, YOU! throwing his fury at the voice. It emerged with a snickering laugh. Talon pictured the voice as a piece of black parchment and then ripped it in half, fueling the vision with his anger. The voice's giggle choked to a halt. We are done! It's over as of right now! The voice scoffed at his assertion. Talon took the two halves of ripped parchment in his mind and ripped them into quarters. I will not be doing anything you say ever again! do you hear? A weaker snort of derision came from the voice. Talon tore the quarters into eighths. The voice screeched in pain. You do not control me! In his mind, he ripped the parchment again and again into smaller and smaller pieces, until he felt the voice bow in acquiescence, leaving its scraps tattered and quivering on the floor of his mind. Back in the courtyard three days later, Talon was lurking near the outside wall of the surgery, as far as one could be from the smithy and still be inside the outer walls of the estate. He hadn't dared come with tea these last three mornings, as it implied an invitation, and seemed too invasive for an apology and to say what he needed to say. He and Riken hadn't even made eye contact over the previous days, and it was the longest that they had been without each other's company in over two years. Riken finally emerged from the smithy to get more wood for the forge, and Talon crossed the ocean of the courtyard to intercept him. Riken turned as he approached, looking for a way to escape the encounter, but Talon got there before he could retreat. I'm sorry, you were right. Riken's face soured at that, but Talon continued. Not about the slumming with the help part, but everything else. Something bad is inside me. I can't explain it, but it is real, and you should run far, far away from me. Talon's voice became more measured. It talks to me, Riken. I don't have to listen to it, and I can silence it, sometimes even for months. But when it does speak, sometimes I can't tell if the ideas it has are good or bad. Talon took a breath, Riken's face now curious and concerned. Talon continued his confession. It used to be easy to tell whether what it suggested was good or bad when I was younger, but now it is trickier with its ideas, more sly with its manipulations. So yes, I should get far away from you and stay away. But before I go, I want you to know you were the best and most honest thing that has ever happened to me. When I am around you, how you make me feel, I know I am seen, not just as I am now but as the person I long to be. Talon lowered his eyes and walked away. Riken's voice floated over Talon's shoulder after he had turned to leave. Is it gone now? Talon turned back to Riken, tears welling in his eyes but not falling. No, he choked out. Will it ever be? Riken asked, staring into Talon's eyes. I don't know. Talon replied, lowering his face to look at the ground, not wanting to meet Riken's gaze. Is it here now? Talon could hear Riken walk toward him as he asked. No. He sniffed back unfallen tears. I ripped it up a few days ago. You what? Riken asked, bewildered. I ripped it up and threw the pieces into the far corners of my head. Talon looked up at Riken, who was now right in front of him. He let his gaze fall to Riken's storm-cloud eyes, drinking them in, knowing this could perhaps be the last time he saw them up close. Look, I don't understand what you are talking about with something in your head speaking to you and ripping it up, but you are right. I do see you. You light up my world when you are near. I don't care what other people see or say about you or me. I am the one who should be apologizing to you for how I acted the other night. I don't know why I listened. Riken looked away, abashed. Something happened, and I was embarrassed and angry and ashamed, so their words got under my skin, and I decided to blame everyone but myself, and you were the easiest target. Tears were welling in Riken's eyes now. Please forgive me. Talon snorted and let out his held breath simultaneously, causing him to choke. Taking Riken's hand in his, Talon asked earnestly, Riken, of course, but are you sure you want this? Riken, squeezing Talon's hands, replied, Just promise me no more trouble, and if your voice tells you to do something, just ask me first, and let me know where the idea came from, so we can figure it out together. Talon smiled and nodded, unable to create words. Riken then added, Oh, and also, promise me we'll start bringing tea again. Mornings in the smithy are as cold as ice fell this time of year. Present year. 873 PXF. Fall. Fall came early that year, and winter threatened to arrive ahead of schedule as well. Osman had returned to more like his usual self, with only an occasional sigh or pause at the places he and Serena visited during the spring and summer. Then, just as Lolly began to tire of putting harvest spices in every dish and beverage, and instead adding it to just half of them, the first letter arrived. It was from Serena, addressed to Osman, and it took every bit of Talon's will not to throw it in the fire before Osman could see it. However, Knowing that no good could come from him even casting his shadow on anything concerning Osman and Serena, he just sat at Lolly's table and pretended that he didn't see it. There was a tiny spark in Talon that hoped that Osman would do the very thing his own first instincts told him to do, but alas, that was not the case. Osman almost floated around the room as he read Serena's letter, and thus the season of pining began. Talon and Lolly couldn't decide what was worse. Heartbroken Osman or pining Osman, so after a month of pining Osman, Talon went to the keep to cash in some favors. That night at dinner, between Osman's sighs as he reread the two-week-old most recent letter from Serena at the dinner table, Talon cleared his throat and then, needing to wrap his knuckles on the table to get the lovesick Uldani's attention, spoke. Osman, I have gone to some great lengths to do it, but I have secured your use of the Duke's teleportation circle. At the word teleportation, Osman almost leapt out of his chair. Talon continued. Slow down. That only takes care of one way. I have also gotten you this. Talon produced a granite stone the size of a goose egg with a rune on it. This is a returning stone, keyed to this hearth. It takes a fortnight to recharge, but that will get you two monthly trips to see Serena. Osman now did, in fact, leap over the table to hug Talon so firmly around the neck that it almost choked him, and was not at all bothered that his legs were currently splayed across his own and Talon's dinner. "'You are not to miss any of your duties at the keep, or in training the watch, or the Duke has said he will replace you himself, and I have asked the transit mage to check the return stone is charged before you leave, so no games.' "'Of course!' Osman ran out of the kitchen to presumably contact Serena, but then poked his head back in. Thank you, Kroltran. It was the first time Osman had addressed Talon as such since the summer, and while it didn't seem to have the same weight behind it that it had on other occasions, it was nice to hear. Year 873, PXF Early Winter The winter of that year was harsh, and some said the worst in a century. Snows buried Elleryon deeper than any in Talon's memory, yet by order of the duke, it was not to curtail the rigorous training schedule for the duke's forces within the keep and surrounding city. Through freezing rain and drifting snow, Talon and Osman pushed the city's forces, never having the opportunity to lighten the intensity as Duke Isul's watchful eye was ever-present "'lurking over them from the balconies of his rooms. "'After the first fortnight, Talon and Osman were going to confront the duke "'to ask for his reasoning behind this new obsession. "'But before they could act, "'the duke doubled the pay of all guards "'and issued an edict to the taverns of Arnador "'that he would pay for them to provide free rations "'to all guards in his service on training days. "'Suddenly, Being a guard became the most sought-after position in the city, and guards requested the extra training days, instead of greeting them with moans and grunts of disapproval. Talon had to admit that what would have been a slim season of tightening belts for almost all businesses in Arnador now became a boon for the city, and neither Osman nor Talon could deny the Duke's forces had never been in better shape. Before this new focus on training, They had all but become a farce that nobles and commoners alike snickered about behind their hands, but now there was a level of pride and respect among the guard that lifted the morale of the whole city. Braggarts among the guard boldly stated the Arnador watch was even a match for the emperor's elite Jaden armed forces, and Talon could not for certain say they were wrong. Osmond was still able to spend time with Serena, but they were quicker jaunts than the extended visits earlier in the fall. Talon never asked any details about Osman's time with Serena, as things between him and Osman were practically back to normal with their relationship. The only thing Talon couldn't help but notice was that while he assumed Serena was at her family's home in Jadenpool, the clothes and other things Osman arrived and departed with, including parchment-wrapped bundles of clothes from the clothier they had used for the gala, spoke of a climate more like their own than that of the temperate capital by the sea. Just before Last Friend's Remembrance, a friendly half elf named Castian appeared at Lolly's. With the harsh weather across the countryside and the boom of prosperity within the city, they ended up spending the remainder of the season at the Sojourn's Rest. Talon and Osmond surmised that Castian must spend all their day in Lolly's kitchen, as every time the two left for or returned from their duties with the guard, they could be found sitting, feet up, at the kitchen table. Castian was somewhat guarded about the details of their past, but was good company and shared many stories of their adventures and the foes they had vanquished. The conversation could not help but turn to the unprecedented level of activity within the city, with such a harsh winter raging over the rest of the region. Talon could offer no explanation other than the duke's own. It was to help bring prosperity and security to the city in preparation for the emperor's visit in early spring. Castian encountered with a statement that stuck with Talon. In my experience, nobility doesn't give out their treasury freely. They are always buying something. While not uncommon in the winter months, Talon began to notice an unprecedented level of traffic through the duke's teleportation gate. Casual inquiries informed him that most of the travel was between nearby cities within and outside the Zalian Empire many of which were the same cities he had hand-delivered the duke's overtures to while he was envoy. Talon had always been a bit perplexed by the duke's insistence that he be the one to deliver such letters while outfitted in the duchy's formal regalia, which was loosely based on the historic regalia of the region when it was known as Elarion. Of course, he complied, and as always, he carried the vermilion blade with him. At the time, he often mused if he was as much the message as the scrolls he carried. Talon wondered if there was a connection or if it was just a coincidence, but keeping up with Dukasul's and his guards' requests for extra training did not allow for him to investigate further. Year 874, PXF Early Spring The harshness of deep winter finally broke, and while Arnador had remained active through the season, the areas across the rest of Elleryon were just beginning to thaw. Correspondence that had been blocked from traveling now flooded into Talon's study at the keep, and soon overflowed into his rooms at the sojourn's rest as well. Envelopes and scrolls quickly piled in stacks upon nearly every surface. Multiple letters from Mikal, which up through the fall had remained light and casual with no coded message, were left unread, along with dozens of others that had arrived in the deluge. Spring was just around the corner when a courier hand-delivered a message to Talon. It was from Mikal, relaying he was leaving the employ of Talon's father. Knowing a courier-delivered letter was unlikely to be intercepted, it talked openly of Toman becoming more secretive, and people coming and going from the estate at all hours of the day and night. He referenced his letters that Talon had left unread from over the winter, that he had coded with messages regarding Toman redoubling the demand for weapons and armor to be made. He was now even more concerned about the armaments, as he had no idea where they had ended up, but all were headed south. Mikal closed with his plans to travel for a short time, but then would be securing a smithy in Arnador. He requested they meet in two weeks' time to discuss things in person. With the Duke's sudden interest in the guard's training, the travel through the teleportation gate, and his father's activities, Talon also grew concerned, but couldn't fit all the pieces together into a defensible theory. It seemed to be a time for messages, as a small skin, tied in Uldani fashion, arrived for Osman two days later, something that Talon could not recall ever having happened before. Osman excitedly opened his message at Lolly's table after supper that night. Unfortunately, his excited expression immediately dropped. My father is dead, he said flatly. Lolly gasped, and Talon began to offer condolences. Osman continued. No, it is fine. He was ill, and I hardly knew him as he continued to travel, even with the wound that caused his illness. If I saw him once a year as a child, that was a lot. When I did see him, his wound was such that it drove him to silence, lest the pain of it cause his emotions to storm into a rage. Was he wounded in battle? Talon asked. Of a sort. He had the wound for as long as I can remember, but my father called it a wound of the soul when he could speak of it. I do not know how he came to earn it. All those who carry their scars deserve remembering, Talon pronounced loudly. Let us lift a glass to your father's name. Even Lolly lifted a small glass of cooking sherry. Osmond raised his glass as well. To my father! Architavia Thirandus. Talon's cup hit the table, dropped from his grasp. Who? Architavia Thirandus. Architavia Thurandis the Farseer, is your father? Talon asked again. Yes. I have been looking for your father for over two decades, and his son has been here with me for over a year? Talon bellowed. Grabbing Osman by the front of his armor and pulling him across the table, he yelled at the Uldani. Have you known of Riken all this time? A man, possibly when you knew him? A human with raven hair and storm cloud eyes? Tell me! Talon was manic in his questioning. Osman broke Talon's grasp, shouting, No! Get off me! His heightened state caused his emotions to begin to swirl into a storm. Talon could see the signs, but kept pressing. You must know! You call me your brother, and you kept this from me! Your father took him! He promised he would heal him of the corruption rooted in him so we could be together! Yet with all the times I talked of Riken, you sat there silent! Talon tried to grab Osman again, but as he lunged forward, the table still between them, the emotional tempest took Osman, and he threw an elbow directly into Talon's nose, eliciting a sickeningly wet crunch. I don't know anything about your damned Riken, other than you brood over him like an old mare put out to pasture. Blood rained on Lolly's table and the remnants of dinner. Then, with a tenuous hold on the emotions consuming him, Osman sprinted from the kitchen, out into the alley, and fled into the night, but not before adding, And you never once asked me of my family, or my damned father! As Talon stood fuming and looking out the door into the night, the slithering voice in his head, seemingly absent for so long, made itself heard again, filling his mind with a smug, gleeful snicker of schemes fulfilled.